Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hi, everybody. Hi. We've got a great show today. First, we're going to talk about proper period disposal and etiquette. It sounds so weird, but it's a discussion we need to look a little bit deeper into. I'm going to tell you, I've gotten it wrong for a long time. Then we're doing a subject close to Ashley's heart, which is the origins of reality shows. What are the shows that make up reality's roots? I'm so excited. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. But up next, the highs and the lows. You guys know that sometimes when we work with brands, they don't particularly love our language. We get it. So the highs and the lows are just our usual, just cleaned up a little bit. Carrie, do you want to start? Sure. My low is that my child is extremely emotionally dysregulated. (laughs) She was with my mom for a week and then she came back home. And although she was great at my mom's and she didn't have any issues and she obviously was happy to come home, there was probably some feelings around it. Some of the things she was saying on a play date were like, that's my mommy. You have your own daddy. These are my things. So I think coming back to our house, coming back to me, she was probably not able to express what she was really feeling. And instead it came out just God awful. And then the other thing is that it's the last day of school today for her. And I'm sure she's having a lot of feelings about that. She's leaving a lot of friends. She's leaving that school and going to different school. And so yesterday turned into a horror show, including her saying, you don't know how to parent well. No. Those exact words. You don't know how to parent well. I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, you're fun. You know exactly what to say to just hurt mommy's heart. And it's been a stressful couple of days coming back into reality and having jet lag. Just the amount of work that has to be done in a very short period of time for me. That when that happened, when she went to that level, I couldn't handle it. It was like a cartoon where your brain just does a nuclear explosion. And I ended up going to bed at 7.30, 8pm, just laying down. I laid down in my clothes just to silence my panic attack. I wanted to get up and work because I had so much work to do. And I was just like, just call it a day. This day needs to be over. Sometimes that's all you can do. I woke up relatively early and got some work done. Not as much as I would have liked to, but it was the kind of overwhelm where you start to get a migraine and you can start to feel your heartbeat. Yeah. That's the lows. It's a new day. I'm going to try to just check things off my list. And that's the best way that I can handle this at the moment. That's a kind of radical self-care. My highs are when we first moved into our house, the garden, in my opinion, was a little overcrowded. You couldn't really appreciate each thing because they were tumbling over each other. And so this year I moved a couple of things that had never come up. They kept growing so I knew they were healthy, but I was like, they never bud. I don't know what they are. I think it's because they're not getting enough sun. And so I moved them and we have beautiful purple irises that are just gorgeous and strong. And I really believe that they could bloom this year because I gave them the proper sunlight. So I love sun. I love moving plants to give them their optimal sun. I love that I can parent the plant better than I can parent my child evidently. So I'm winning at one thing. Well, plants don't talk back. Isn't that nice? Plants don't have anything to say. They just live or die. So they are more of an ideal child. There you go. You know what? My high and low are one wrapped up into the middle. And seeing as we are going to talk about reality TV, I wanted to touch on this. I call myself a reality anthropologist. I study it at a different level. And I have to say that I think right now, with everything that's going on with Vanderpump, that 
is peak reality TV. And I just don't know how we're ever going to top it. So is that a high or a low? That's why it's both. Okay, got it. It's great right now, but it concerns me for my future. But also, can we keep it at that height for that long? Isn't that exhausting? Exactly. Here's the thing. When Jen Shaw got arrested, when the feds came for Jen Shaw in the parking lot of Beauty Lab in Salt Lake City, Utah, I was like, this is peak reality. How do you top this? And here we are with Vanderpump. We're doing it. I have put so much thought. I've had so many conversations as to why is this affair so culturally shattering? Why has it brought us all together? Why are people so upset? Why are people so taken by it? And I honestly just don't have an answer. I can't come up with it. I know why I'm so taken by it. And that's because I've been watching it since day one. These people are my age. I've watched them grow at the same speed in which myself and my husband have grown. They've kind of been characters in our life. We had a period of time where we had this crazy pandemic that did crazy things to people and our mental health. And we've had political turmoil and discourse and all of these other things. And this has really brought people together and has allowed us the mental, emotional escape that I think so many of us have needed after this very heavy time. I still don't get why everyone is all about it. I don't know how we ever come together and bond over something to this extent again. I hope we do. I just don't know if it's going to happen. It's like once we've peaked, is everything else just jumping the shark? I don't know. And this is why it's a high and a low for me because I love being alive right now, but it's a low because will we ever top it? I don't know. What do I have to look forward to in my reality TV lifetime? This segment grew and developed in my mind, so I'm going to have to explain it. Please do. It all started when I saw a TikTok. I am so sorry. I have tried so hard to find it. At the time, it didn't register that I was going to talk about it, but it really lingered in my head. And I feel especially bad because it's a black female creator, and I would love to give her some more views by spreading the word, but I just don't know. I guess she covers etiquette. She made a video on TikTok about proper period etiquette and what you should do when you need to change your pad at someone else's house. So she starts with saying, firstly, talk to your mother, which I loved. I thought that was great. Ask your mother. Ask your mother. Throughout society, throughout our time as women, throughout our time as menstruators, it's been such a hush-hush thing that half of the population either does, did, or will do. And all we've really had is our tribe of other women to really talk to us about it. And as time has gone on, I feel like mothers are talking about it less. My mother did. I'm just basing this off of things I have overheard, so I could be wrong. So I really like that she said, talk to your mother first. She then goes on to explain that when she's staying at somebody's house, she never leaves a pad behind. She wraps it up and puts it into one of those scented dirty diaper baggies. Yeah. When I was trying to find this video, I ended up finding many videos that have said the same thing from all kinds of female creators. There are even products. There are even these little baggies that are marketed towards how to store your dirty pads while you're out at somebody's house, which I personally find disturbing, but we can get into that. This is fascinating. Exactly. The initial thought is, is this something we need to be that self-conscious about? Because that seems excessive to me. Yes, I'm all for wrap up your pad. Throw it out nicely. I don't raw dog it in the thing or, or a tampon. I had a college roommate who would leave dirty pads completely open on the floor next to the garbage. That is not what I'm saying here. What? 
What? Yeah, she was very gross. That's like a monster. That was only the tip of the iceberg. She did so many gross things. That's not what we're talking about here. Do we need to be this self-conscious about menstruating? What do you say, Carrie? I think it's a little body shaming. Agreed. To have to take it with you. It's not like we're in the woods and we don't want to mess up the ecosystem and there's like a bear. Right. To take it with you is furthering the divide between the difference between men and women and body shaming. I think we need to be thoughtful about hygiene. Let's put it that way. I think you're right about lumping it into just general hygiene. All of us would be like, hey, I'm going to take a shower because I stink. It's also like, well, I would wrap up my pad properly and throw it in someone's garbage. Right. But I don't think that we need to take it back with us. That seems aggressive and shameful. I completely agree with you on all of that. The only exception I could think of, and I really racked my brain here, was if for some reason you're in a house with a dog that has a tendency to get into those things and rip them up, which has happened, right? We've all been a part of that. Oh my gosh. At my brother's first Holy Communion, we had a golden retriever named Amos and I had had my period. We're a big Catholic family. We had this huge party and Amos comes out with a tampon out of his mouth, the blood part out like a cigar. Ugh. Walking around the entire party. Ugh. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. He was like, mm, delicious. I mean, we've all been there in some way. It's the only time I see the exception. Yes. After exploring this kind of thought, I said, I want to see what the interwebs has to say about this. So I'm going to be referencing two different articles, one from Jezebel, RIP. This is an article from like 2012 and an article from a website called yourperiodcalled.com, which is from 2021. Okay. Here's a quote for you. Lots of things have conspired over many centuries to make us mortified about the process. Since ancient times and around the world, menstruation has been treated as a filthy and shameful thing. It's in the Bible. Just check Leviticus. It's part of Islam and Orthodox Judaism. And even as recently as the 1950s, scientists from Harvard conducted studies to see whether or not menstrual blood was poisonous. It's totally not, by the way. On top of this bedrock of superstition and religious belief, you can add decades of advertising selling products by creating and then playing off fears of staining, leaking, bulging, and smelling. It's shameful, the red tent, you know? Yes. What I think is funny is from there, we've kind of come full circle. While we have women like the one I referenced before that has a little baggie and brings her pads home with her, now young girls are doing two separate weird things. The first being giving themselves their own vampire facials with period blood. My OBG told me this. I don't think I'm into that. Also, it does nothing. A vampire facial that used your PRP, it's very different. Don't just put your period on your face. Yeah. But two, young girls are now having period parties. Their parents, when they're 11 or 12, when they get their first period, are having a little cake that says, like, congrats on your first period. They're having friends over. And that I am fully for. Me too. I think I've said this before. My parents had said that I couldn't get my ears pierced until I got my period. And I happened to get my period very early. But when kids were saying to me, why aren't your ears pierced? Why aren't your ears pierced? I couldn't close my mouth. And I said, my mom's making me wait until I get my period. So then when I got my period early and I didn't want people to know, and I walked in with my ears pierced, everybody knew. And I hadn't thought that far ahead. Which was probably shameful then. Right. That would be my only thing about a period party. Well, to bring us further into how things have evolved when it comes to periods, here's another quote. In 2019, Lunette conducted a survey with 2,000 menstruators aged 18 to 38 and found that around 80% of Gen Zers, or people born between 1997 and 2012, don't think periods as a taboo topic. They don't view menstruation as gross, and they don't see it only as a women's issue. But 
one that should be talked about openly, which includes non-menstruators. Then in 2020, Tampax launched a new line of tampons called the Tampax Pearl Compact. I remember the commercials. Their whole shtick was their silent wrappers, the applicator expanded so you could carry it in the palm of your hand. It was really to give you as much discretion. In fact, the tagline was Tampax Pearl Compact tampons offer you a combination of comfort, protection, and discretion all in one pack. And the company received a good amount of backlash for this quote-unquote innovation, which people even called increasingly at odds with the times. And now we're in a time where companies are instating a period leave, which is granting people up to 10 paid days off each year. Their goal was to reduce shame and stigma surrounding menstruation, but it actually ignited a fierce debate in the country and worldwide. Proponents applauded the policies long overdue, while others called it discriminatory and anti-feminist. National menstrual leave policies already exist in Japan, Taiwan, China, South Korea, Indonesia, Zambia, and Mexico. I mean, what's your take on period leaves? I don't understand how it's anti-feminist or discriminatory in any way. No, I think that's great. You can't call maternal leave discriminatory. I mean, I guess to combat that, they do have paternal leave as well. The whole concept of the nine-to-five workday was really created around men and the way that their bodies work anyway which we've discussed at length on this show. We've talked about how the different phases of your period mean that women's internal clocks and their productivity and all of these things operate in a different way that men's do. So to model an entire workday after what works best for men and their internal clocks, and yet to give women 10, just 10, paid leave menstrual days in a year, I personally don't find anti-feminist or discriminatory. No, I'm like, bring it on. My first thing was, Only 10? So you have a daughter. I want to hear from you what your take on period etiquette rules are and how you plan on talking to Luna about it when she gets to that age now. She already knows sort of what a period is. I mean, I don't get them anymore, but when I was getting them, she would bring me tampons and pads. I've basically said periods are what make you able to have a baby. And when you don't get them anymore, you can't have a baby anymore. And it doesn't really hurt like a cut blood does. It hurts in a different way, kind of like you have to poop. When you get to be older, you'll get one and then you stop. And those years that you have it is when you can have a baby. Not that you should, but you can. Yeah. Listen, I was not taught not to flush tampons down. So I have caused major damage to places. Yeah, don't do that, guys. But I didn't know that. So I did that for years until I was an adult person and caused damage and found out that that's what you're not supposed to do. You just weren't taught, so you can't blame yourself so much. Etiquette-wise, I will teach teach her that. I will teach her to wrap it in toilet paper or back in the plastic if you have it and dispose of it in a trash can. I'm not going to tell her to carry it out. I'm not going to tell her it's shameful. I've always said that I would never date a man that wouldn't go buy me tampons or pads. I'm going to try to not make her feel weird or bad about having her period. My mom definitely tried not to make me feel weird or bad about it, but I did. What were your mom's pieces of wisdom? My mom taught me all about these different things, but she also was like, you don't use a tampon until you have sex, which was an old school way of thinking. 
thinking. I don't think that still exists. I was a dancer, so I used tampons pretty early. I was too, and I wore a pad, which was awful. When she described period, it was kind of clinical because my mom's a nurse. I thought it was going to be red, but it was brown. My mom was so furious about this. I got it on my dad's weekend. The worst time. I can't remember if it was actually on Thanksgiving or if because I didn't celebrate it with my dad, we were just having Thanksgiving dinner, not on Thanksgiving. I had eaten all this food and all this dairy and I was lactose intolerant and I went up to go what I thought was poop and I pulled down my pants and it was brown and I thought, oh my gosh, did I poop my pants and not realize it? What is going on? And I just kept being like, I can't imagine I did that. And I was like, dad, my dad came up. I was like, something's wrong. I have to go to the hospital. I think I pooped my pants. And he was like, honey, that's your period. And I was like, no, it's not, it's not red. And then embarrassing, everyone in the house had tampons and my stepmom and my dad had to go door to door because they went to the pharmacy and it was closed. There was no 24 hour CVSs. So they had to go to the neighbors. Our daughter got her first period. Do you have a pad? So I think I've told this as well, but my first period came on the day of my bat mitzvah. And I also was like, my stomach is killing me. And every time I went to the bathroom, there was brown in my underwear. And it was the same for me. I was like, oh my God, I'm just pooping my pants left and right here. I would go, I'd clean out my underwear. I'd dispose of it. Next time I would go to the bathroom, it looked like I pooped my pants again. After my bat mitzvah, we went back home. As a special treat, my parents would let me sleep on the sofa bed with my grandma and watch Nick at Night as late as I wanted sometimes. So I was on the sofa bed watching TV with my grandma. My parents were leaving with two of their friends to go out. And I was like, Mom, I just want you to know I keep pooping my pants. And she's like, no, honey, you have your period. And I was like, no, it's not red. It's brown. Right. It's definitely poop. And she was like, no, baby, that's your period. That's your first period. And I just remember being like, oh, okay. For so long, I just didn't believe it. And I also remember having friends at that same age who couldn't talk to their moms about getting their period. I had one friend specifically who would hide from her mom that she had her period and I just couldn't understand why. Let me ask you this. I know you're not getting your period anymore. Do you have any tried and true period products that you think people should consider? I used to use little plastic tampon holders, like containers to put my tampon in. Oh. Because loose in my bag, they would sometimes come unraveled and get nasty with makeup and stuff. Yeah. I used OB style tampons, so just a little case where I could put a couple in there. You could really use anything. My friend had made me a crafty put your pads in flip case. That's cute. Really any of the organic unbleached cotton. I couldn't use anything scented or bleached. So those kind of products were my jam. And I prefer one without an applicator. But when I was younger, I definitely used an applicator one. I've been using the salt menstrual disc and I am so sad I'm just finding this now. It is the most incredible period product I have ever used in my life. You only have to empty it two times in the morning and at night. I will often do one time when I'm in the shower, clean it out. Oh, that's smart. Pop it back in in the shower. And the other time is at night. And then you just pop it out, let it drain, rinse it out, pop it back in and you're good for the night. I have had absolutely no leaks. Wow. There is no smell of any kind with thinks. Firstly, we know there's been that class action lawsuit. Additionally, I hated the smell. I have one pair of thinks underwear and I wear it on my heaviest day and it stinks by the end of the day. And not that we should be ashamed of those things, but I just don't like being a smelly person in any 
anyway. I don't like when my armpits smell. I don't like when my breath smells. It causes no pain whatsoever. You forget you have it in. Apparently, you can have sex with it in. Oh, okay. And to top it all off, it's sustainable. All I bought was a silicone cleansing foam, and that's how I clean it. You can also boil it. It is such a miracle product. I don't know why more women aren't using it, and I'm not adding to waste in the world in any way. I wear it for about three days, and then I switch to panty liners. You and I, our whole thing about sustainability is baby steps. It has to work with your life. I cannot urge people listening enough to try a menstrual cup. It's incredible. I'd love to hear from you guys. What is your hot take on period etiquette? What are you going to teach your kids, boys or girls? What are your go-to period products? Share with us. Hello at momtragepodcast.com. Okay, are you ready to get into some meat and potatoes of reality TV? Give it to me, baby. Matt and I often talk about reality moments that are so deep in the cultural zeitgeist, however you want to say it, of pop culture and the impact it's had on all of us. So these are my picks. If you want to get really deep into reality TV, not just as a voyeur, not just to have mindless entertainment, which, hey, I'm not judging you. Go for it. But if you really want to understand how reality TV has developed over time and evolved into what it is, I have compiled what I find to be a very concise list. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I want to start off with newlyweds, Nick and Jessica. Okay. I think we all remember this show as having some incredibly memorable moments, such as Chicken of the Sea, Is It Chicken or Fish? I hope that was real, because that's brilliant. I have rewatched it. Not a chance it's not real. It has to be real. Oh my gosh. I do not think she was joking. We've seen her act. She's not that great. And I do love Jessica Simpson. But the amount of sincerity she says it with, here's the interesting thing about Newlyweds. You can watch it on YouTube. You can find episodes. It is so slow moving now when you watch it. It's almost boring. We're used to things moving so much faster, which is so sad. It is very sad. It really does make you think about some things. And this is, again, why for highs and lows, I mentioned being in this peak reality TV time. How do we top it? Because at the time of Nick and Jessica, it was that and the Osbournes were the things that everyone our age watched. I watched it with my parents and it was really a new concept of celebrity reality TV. And at the time, we were so engaged in it and so entertained and consumed by it. And now it's like, oh my God, the show's so slow. I also put the Osbournes, which I'm pretty sure you can also find on YouTube, which is obviously the reality show that followed Ozzy Osbourne. What was his wife's name? Sharon! Right. Sharon Osborne, Kelly Osborne, and Jack Osborne. I loved the Osbournes. I loved them too. Even though he's the Prince of Darkness, they were so relatable as a family. Yep. Just like Nick and Jessica, they have divorced. And then I think they got back together. I think they're currently divorced. They did a lot of back and forth, those two. I think they're currently back together. Are they? I think so. I love that for them. Kelly has had surgery that she has denied. Jack is dealing with some health battles. He also has a ghost hunting TV show. He does? Yes, I love it. What's it called? Portals to Hell. What an appropriate fit for continuing his career. He also has a show called Haunted Homecoming. Wow. Very cool. So obviously we can't have a discussion about reality TV without talking about the real world. True story. I wanted to make this list kind of attainable and not just things you have to watch an entire series, which with real world would be 20 or 30 something seasons. Oof. I really toiled with this 
this one. What season do I recommend for people to watch as their first real world season? And the first season, which I have recently rewatched, it's on Paramount Plus, as are many seasons. It's very different than what real world grew into. It was multiple people that had aspirations of fame. There was an artist, there was a rapper, Eric Nye, who has gone on to have a pretty successful career. There were a lot of different people and they just happened to live in this house and they still had their lives and all these other things. The rap chick, I loved her. Heather. Heather, Heather B. The show evolved from that phase into something else. So I tried to think, what is the most impactful thing that happened on the real world? Pedro AIDS story. I disagree. I think Pedro was very revolutionary for the time. There was a gay man who, was he HIV positive? Yes. On the show? Yes. Then he ended up dying of AIDS. Yes. A year or two later. And while that is impactful and was certainly a reflection of the times, again, that season, which I do recommend watching, it is kind of a time capsule of what the AIDS pandemic was like. And then that bike messenger was kind of crazy. Yeah. But I think the most memorable and most impactful moment of Real World is from Seattle. And that's the season I think you should watch. Please tell me why. It is the season where that guy slaps the girl. Oh, right. It's the real world that real world had fully evolved into of people coming from different places and different backgrounds into one house, seven strangers. MTV will occasionally do a behind the scenes kind of special. They would do these for real world and they always talked about that moment in Seattle. And I remember watching it in real time. So that's my suggestion for you. But there are so many legendary moments from real world. Again, Pedro is a huge one and a great reflection of what was happening in the world at the time. I love this for you. Thank you so much. Next up, Real World Road Rules Challenge. I mean, love. It has grown into a monster. I would watch the first season just to see where it started when they were doing things like running across a lawn with an egg on a spoon to now <laughs> they are jumping <laughs> off of moving cargo trucks. Yeah, it is very different. It's no longer the egg and the spoon. That's for darn sure. Or like that one where you had to put your head on a stick and circle it and then try and run straight. That's what the first season of Real World Road Rules Challenge was. It's basically like, get drunk and run in a circle. See what happens. Pretty much. So from there, we're going to go to The Surreal Life. I never watched The Surreal Life. Oh, every season of The Surreal Life was so good, but I am going to get specific with this one as well. The Surreal Life was, they brought a bunch of washed up D-list celebrities. Okay. Put them under one roof in a house in LA in the hills and just let them get into antics. And it was so entertaining. There was a season with Vern Troyer, who was mini-me from the Austin Powers movie. He would get so drunk. He was also so tiny. He would be on a scooter and just pee off of it in the living room. Oh boy. So many great moments. But I think that you should watch The Surreal Life Season 3. This cast included Dave Coulier, a.k.a. Uncle Joey, Flava Flav, Jordan Knight from New Kids on the Block, Brigitte Nielsen, Ryan Starr, and of course, Gucci Gucci Charo. Oh, Charo. Love yes, that. Yes, God bless Charo. But what was so memorable about this season was the love story between Flavor Flav and Brigitte Nielsen, who's like six feet tall, Scandinavian. Right, I forgot about this. It spawned a series called The Surreal Life, Flavor and Brigitte, which I think had two or three seasons until Brigitte ended up marrying some other guy. And then that spawned Flavor of Love, which was also kind of a spinoff of Rock of Love. But I think to reflect those shows, the best one was Flavor of Love. Specifically, season two, episode 10, entitled, Oh No, She Didn't. Oh, wow. You are going there, Ash. So Flavor of Love was a competition 
Russian dating show where, I guess, 30 women would fight for the affection of Flava Flav. And I don't know why. It started on Surreal Life where he can't remember people's names. So he would just come up with nicknames for everyone. He would call his roommate's roommate. He just couldn't remember people's names. Because he has a head injury? All smoked out? What's happening? Who knows? I feel like he was like 60 then. First episode, he would give all the girls names. That's where we got New York. Okay. From I Love New York. We mm-hmm, all know who mm-hmm, New York mm-hmm. is. He'd name him like Pumpkin and all these other things. He named one girl something. <laughs> and in season two, episode 10, something poops on the stairs. Okay. I know you may be sitting here thinking, okay, you're going off the rails, Ashley. Oh, no, I'm not. I would argue this is one of the more important moments in reality television. And what makes it even better is while she poops on the staircase, while they are doing their elimination ceremony. She did her own kind of elimination ceremony. (laughs) Yes, she did. Flava says, I like you, but I can't take you nowhere. And have you ever heard a more concise sentence in your life? Correct. I like you, but you poop the floor and I just can't take you anywhere. Just Google the clip, flavor of love, something poops the floor. I swear you won't regret it. Oh, dear Lord. Next up, we have The Simple Life. That was Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. Really one of the first mainstream reality TV shows of this nature. It was on Fox. It was so good. It was so good. I remember it aired after the Super Bowl, the first episode. And I think it was the Super Bowl with the Gina Jackson. And Justin Timberlake nipple thing. And it was just a true fish out of water. These two, Nicole Richie, Paris Hilton, go to a small town, have to work jobs. They're hooking up with country boys. They are so disconnected from reality. It was such great television. I suggest you watch season one. And coming up soon will be Sonia and Luann Crappy Lake, which is a new Bravo spinoff, which will be Sonia Morgan and Luann de Lesseps in a town called Crappy Lake. It is the same concept as The Simple Life. It's like Shit's Creek, but not. It's The Simple Life. It's a simple life with Luann and Sonia, and it looks absolutely incredible. And I cannot wait. This is exactly what I want Sonia and Luann to be doing, and I'm so happy. Talking about Sonia and Luann, I would recommend either doing season one of Real Housewives of Orange County, truly how the entire franchise started. I do not love the Orange County gals, personally. I find them very obnoxious and very out of touch. So I would suggest Real Housewives of New York season one. Next up, a show called Kid Nation. Do you remember the show? I don't know Kid Nation. You can watch its entirety on YouTube. It is a show where they got a bunch of children and absolutely no adults outside of who was on production. Ooh, this sounds terrible already. To start a town and the kids had to figure out how to run it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Firstly, huge amount of liability here. How was that ever approved? I don't know how this show ever got made, but I'm grateful it did. Where are those kids now? Yes, it is very fun. There's a reason no other show has been made like this. Other than Toddlers and TR but their parents are there. Next up, True Life, I got calf implants. And I would also dare to say True Life, I have a shore house because that Ugh. then spawned the Jersey Shore, Ugh. which is an absolute classic. I'm not giving you one season or one episode. Absolute full season of the original Jersey Shore. How often do we talk about True Life, I Got Calf Implants? So often. Like all the time. It is a staple for us. I'm just so glad it left such a lasting impression on other people. Matt remembers it too. And last but not least, not my favorite reality show, but I don't think... We can talk about 
reality roots and not mention it. And that is the original season of Survivor. The season with Richard Hatch. I think he was the first true reality TV villain. It was also on CBS. I watched that first season. I've never watched another one. It was a competition show. This was at a time where it wasn't dog eat dog in a competition show. And that man paved the way. He really did. No matter what you want to say about Richard Hatch, he paved the way. He was the first Sandoval. He was the first person we all collectively came against and disliked. We can't underestimate the importance of that in the reality root microcosm. In this world that we're living in. Yes. Honorable mentions that didn't make it. The Anna Nicole show. I loved it. I just don't know if it's pivotal. I want to watch that documentary. I heard it's not great. Oh, really? I heard it was medium from the behind the blinds guy who loves her. Okay, I'll give it a try. Please let me know if you have any moments that you think should be added because maybe I will write a whole thing on this. I'm not a writer. I have no interest in writing, but I do have passion and it's for this. Hashtag swag bag. So as you guys know, I have issues with my body smelling. Talk about Ashley saying she doesn't really like her body smelling. I don't like it either. I've always been a sweater that the sweat smells good unless I wear the clothes that I sweat in multiple times. Yes. On a whole, my sweat up until now, up until menopause, has been fine. Menopause sweat smells really bad and it's happening all the time. And it's left me with pits and crotch areas that do not smell so good. I read somewhere that a gentle or not gentle, but I'm using the gentle one, benzoyl peroxide acne wash on your pits, definitely not in porous areas. So not inside your lower body bits, the holy areas, but inner thigh, chub rub area, belly area under the boobs, underneath the armpits. If you wash with it, it kills the bacteria that causes the odor of sweat. I've done it for two days now and I've gone through hot flashes galore, sweat, a workout, and it doesn't smell. What product are you using for it? Two are recommended. I'm using the CeraVe Sensitive Acne body wash. So I will tag it in show notes. They have warned that it can stain things if not rinsed off, like bleach it a little bit. So just make sure you rinse all the way, basically. Yeah. But I'm shocked because I definitely sweat through my pajamas last night. It's just, I have a sweat issue now. That's all. Yeah. This is not a recommendation. I'm just sharing what I've heard. The Ordinary, I think it's the glycolic acid, is good on a cotton pad if you just wipe your armpits instead of needing to use deodorant. Okay. I haven't tried it because I'm a little hesitant, but I do find it interesting. Well, I haven't been having any issues and I have very sensitive skin. And you and I have talked about, I get rashes from deodorant sometimes. Yeah, me too. I am not having any reaction to this. I would recommend if you just fresh shaved your armpit, maybe don't use that wash that day because that seems like it might be an issue. I had bikini shaved pretty recently, not day of, and it didn't burn. Oh, I love that. So that's my swag bag. I'm really excited about it. I told Lee about it. I was like, use it on your pits because the summer we've really been sweating. I might try it myself and I'm sure it probably helps with back me too. Mine is what I talked about in segment one, which is the salt with 2A menstrual disc. I really just love it so much. It is so good. Awesome sauce. All right, guys. Thank you so much for another great episode. I had a lot of fun. I had a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget 
forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast, written and produced by Ashley Heron Smith and Carrie Sotero, recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or MamadramaBand.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.